0: Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Um, the title for today is, Never Give Up. Never give up. Anybody use that encouragement today? Uh, anybody ever feel like giving up? Maybe nobody here, but you might know someone like that. And today we're going to look at the reason why we should never give up. No matter what, why we should never give up. It's also a, a prophetic picture of the, je- the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, but I'm going to really be focusing on never giving up as we go, as you'll see. Now we're going to look at a story that happened 2,000 years before Jesus came. It's an amazing prophetic picture of the cross and the resurrection. Everything in the New Testament has a picture in the Old Testament. There's nothing in the New Testament that you can't find in the Old Testament that, that God didn't prepare us for through, prophetic, through prophecy, prophetic pictures. They call them spiritual types of symbolism. And you're going to see what we look at today is you can't miss this. You can't miss what it's saying about Jesus thousands of years before he even came. You can't miss it unless we harden our hearts, unless we don't want to see it, because it's an amazing, amazing prophetic picture. We're in the book of Joshua. We've been going through the book of Joshua, and we're on chapter 15. And if you've missed, once again, go on the podcast, YouTube, get the CDs. But we've been looking at Israel's inheritance and how they were given a promised land and how that's really a, a picture. That's a physical picture for them of a spiritual reality for us. We're not taking a physical land, but we are conquering a spiritual land. And the promises that God gave to Israel have been given to us spiritually, Spiritual promises. And we have this amazing inheritance. And we were studying last week, if you weren't here, you know, get the CD. But we were studying Jerusalem last week in in Joshua 15. And we did a history of Jerusalem. And then we connected it to Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. And we saw the reason why Jesus made his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. Amazing, amazing history and, and Bible prophecies. But Resurrection Sunday also has a huge connection to Jerusalem, as we'll see today, and we saw the hints last week. Remember the hints? I gave you hints last week. We're going to see the connection today that Jerusalem has to the resurrection. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for each person who's here. We know you've brought us each here for a reason, that your word and your spirit want to touch our hearts. I pray that you would encourage each of us to never give up, to never give up in our faith, never give up in your purpose in our life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis 22. I'm going to read the, 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 the passage here. It's the testing of Abraham. I think most, many of you read it, read it already. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Wouldn't you like God to just call you out sometime? Well, maybe not. But anyway, we won't go there. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took it with him. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided." The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because... Now notice that, the angel of the Lord and then declares the Lord. Remember that because I'm going to come back to that. I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make you... Your descendants, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Don't miss next week, because next week we're going to do part two, Why God Calls Us to Sacrifice. To give up something or someone that we love very, very much. Why he calls us to give something up that we love. Today we're going to look at the prophetic. That's going to be the practical. Don't miss it because it's going to be, it's it's powerful. But today I want to look at the prophetic. This is all a prophetic picture. And let's connect some dots to Resurrection Sunday. First of all, in verse 2, and I think a lot of you have already seen a lot of parallels, haven't we? As we're even reading it. In verse 2, Then God said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. He was called to take his only son, who he loved, and to sacrifice him. And we know who this is a picture of, don't we? John three sixteen, For God so loved the world... That he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, this is a picture of how God sent his only Son, Jesus, who he loved, to be sacrificed for us, to die for us, so that we could really live, we could have real life. It's that picture. In, in verse 2 again, it's uh, another, another picture. It's all going to just wait. We're just getting started. In verse 2 again, it says, Where did he take him? To Moriah, to a mountain in Moriah. Mount Moriah. Remember, I gave you that hint last week? What is Mount Moriah known today as? Not Calvary, but close. The Temple Mount. That is the Temple Mount, the exact spot that he was going to sacrifice. Isaac was where, where where the temple was built and is going to be rebuilt. That very, very place. It's where the lambs were sacrificed. Where the lambs were sacrificed. And people's sins were symbolically placed on the lamb. And they obeyed God by faith. They They we were told to, to sacrifice that lamb and that their sins would be forgiven because each lamb, they obeyed God by faith because each lamb was a prophetic type, a picture, a symbol, as we're going to see. Each lamb represented somebody. Verse, 20, uh, verse 4, chapter 22, verse 4 says, On the third day Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. On the third day... Prophetic hint. Now, three days, often we see the symbolism of three days, many, many times. Remember in Joshua 3? They were waiting at the river, uh, uh, at the Jordan River, which represents judgment and death, and they were stuck at that river before they could cross into the promised land, remember? And how they had to wait three days staring at that river before the, the river opened and Joshua led them through. And we all know Joshua is a picture of Jesus, Joshua, Hebrew, Jesus, Greek. It's the same exact word. It's all a picture of Jesus. And the same thing here. Abraham and Isaac, it's a prophetic about, being, about the third day. The third day, what did he get back again? We read the whole story. He gets his son back again. His son was as good as dead. Isaac was as good as dead. He was under a death sentence. He was like on death row. And he only had three, three days. For three days, he had lost his son. It'd be like finding out your child has some deadly disease and is going to die in three days. That's exactly what he had. And yet, and yet, on the third day, he received his son back again. Back again. He wasn't killed like he expected, like he was under that death sentence. And this is a prophetic picture. Once again, 1 Corinthians 15. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3, it says... For what I received, this is Paul talking, the Apostle Paul, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. According to the scriptures. And we we see that, that this is a picture that Jesus was dead. He came back to life on the third day. The third day. Another thing, back to Genesis 22. In Genesis 22, verse 6, look at what it says. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. He put the wood where? Isaac. Isaac had to carry the wood for the altar fire. The very wood, the wood that was going was to consume him. He had to carry that wood. Do you know where I'm going? Jesus the only son of God had to carry his altar wood too didn't he only it was in the shape of a cross that wood was already in the shape of a cross in John 19 in John 19 it says 19 16 and 17 says Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. In the in the very in the very distance from right from the temple, they could see this this hill because Jesus had to be crucified outside the camp. He couldn't be crucified in the temple. He had to be outside the camp. That's a whole other thing, whole other prophecy. Then, in Genesis 22, though, we get kind of a happy ending for Isaac. In Genesis 22, verse 9, when they reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, here I am, right? Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns, and he went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide, and to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. God spared Isaac. And he provided a a, a ram, a male ram lamb, all right? I used to have a ram lamb, uh, Sam. But anyway, we won't go, that's the whole other one. I was a kid, I was, you know, nine or something. But God provided that lamb to take Isaac's place. And notice who stopped him. He said, the angel of the Lord. And then it refers to him as God. How could uh, the angel of the Lord be God, you know, in that verse? Well, whenever you see an angel, it means just an angel. But when you see the angel of the Lord, it's almost always, by context, you can see it. It's almost always a Christophany. That's Jesus himself. A pre-incarnate, incarnate appearance of Jesus himself. It's called a Christophany. Jesus didn't just appear, you know, in Bethlehem. He's been there since the beginning. He's been God's son since the beginning. And in the Old Testament, it often said, the angel of the Lord. It's talking about Jesus himself. Later on, we see clearly that it's the son of God. But the, the angel of the Lord, Jesus himself, stopped the knife. Jesus himself stopped Isaac from being killed. It was Jesus himself. Why? Because he was the Lamb of God. Jesus was the Lamb of God. He knew that he would be the ultimate sacrifice. He knew that Isaac was just a type, a picture of what he was going to be called to do someday. But instead of being spared, he was going to be speared in the side to make sure he was finished off the blood and the water. He was going to be speared. When Jesus, the only Son of God, was on the cross, the ultimate altar, the ultimate altar, he he didn't stop the knife. God did not stop the knife. Jesus did not stop the knife. And, And something I want to say about sacrifice sacrifice, you know, we read it in the Bible, but we don't really understand. It was brutal. Sacrifice was brutal. When they would sacrifice the lamb, they would would bring their lamb to the priest in the temple, and they were required to put their hands on the ram's head, the lamb's head, their favorite lamb, this beautiful little lamb, perfect lamb, young lamb. They put their hands on its head, and the priest would cut its throat. They would cut its throat while you were holding on to that lamb. Think about that. I grew up on a farm, and I've seen it all. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you all I've seen, but I've seen it all. If this is a men's group or a youth group, I might tell you something. I've seen it all. It's bloody business to grow up on a farm. What I've seen vets do to animals, and what I've seen my parents, dad, mom had to do to animals to try to save them or help them or... Get a calf out or, or just seen butchering or see had to help with pigs being fixed uh, it was uh, it was bad, it was bad uh, yeah. uh, and, and killings the killings that you see on a farm and the ways you see animals killed you, you, you can't imagine out here can't imagine the suburbs, but you know vicious animal you know, we've got rabid you know, animals—they had to be killed quickly. You know, r- vicious dogs that were attacking. You know, animals and vicious cats. You know, I've seen h- vicious cats that were killing kittens and stuff. We, oh, we've seen some a lot of killing. But animal, in spite of me going through all that and being part of all that, living it and having to do a lot of it, animal sacrifice would traumatize even me. It would traumatize even me. It was brutal, personal business. I was trying to think of what the closest experience I ever had with that. because was I think the closest I, I could describe was I had a dog once. My favorite dog. I had many dogs on the farm, but my favorite dog. I was actually in college and we got this new puppy. And uh, I loved this. I just bonded. He was half German Shepherd, half Labrador. He was just the prettiest, funnest, big old dog. And and uh, I just loved him. And my mom didn't want to keep him, and I talked her into it. We won't go into that. But uh, we kept the puppy, and and I named him Lover Boy. Uh, <laughs> so. There was a sprock band at the time called Loverboy. Some of you might remember who are really old and uh, and I just did it cuz he was such a friendly dog. He's like he's like a real people dog. You know, he's big clunky old dog. He was really friendly and so I called him Loverboy. My mom hated the pup dog and hated the name. Uh so so, uh, but we kept Loverboy. In fact, she had to take it to the vet when it was a puppy, and she came home and said, "I'll never take that dog to the vet again. You do it next time." I go, "Why?" They all made fun of me. They called out, "Mrs. Wilson, could you bring Loverboy into the into the office?" So, they all got a good laugh at my mom. So, my mom and Loverboy. boy. So. <laughs> but love this dog, and he was some dog. Uh, he got shot one time. People would shoot. Where I grew up, people shot dogs. If they got on your property or they saw you chasing a deer, they would shoot him. Shot, hit his collar, slowed down the bullet enough so it went to his neck, didn't kill him. It was amazing. He, this dog survived it. Uh, he got hit by a car really bad. He came crawling into the yard and just laid there. We're like, what are we going to do? And the vet was coming to check on some cows. This is how you do it on the farm, you know, you wait for the vet to come for something else. And so he said, this dog got hit and he said, there's nothing I could do, just just give him some water and he's either going to live or he's not. And sure enough, about a week later, he got up and walked around and he was fine. And this dog was, I just love this dog, he was so friendly, he would, he, but we had this, we had this connection, and, and he would chase me, even as a puppy. Our game was I would try to climb this one tree, and he'd come up and grab my pant leg and shake it, shake it, try, it, try to pull me out of the tree. That was our game. We had this, this, whole, this whole routine down, Lover Boy and I. And uh, LB, my mom called him LB. All right, so anyway, she couldn't bear to call him Lover Boy. But anyway, but I went off to college. And 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 I would see him in the summer and I'd come back and even though he kinda became my brother's dog, my brother Todd was a little young a couple years younger, he became his dog. But when I came home we had this instant connection. We just were always close. He just we went through the whole routine. All summer he was my dog again. Then I'd hand him back to my brother. And, And and every year it kinda went on like that. But then I went off. Then I went off and got married and didn't come home that much and only came home once in a while. But every time I came home, it was still the th- same thing. As they watch. I tell them, my kids, watch this, watch this, watch what he does. And we do this whole thing. We just were really, really, I just love that dog. You know how you can only, you have, if you ever had a dog, you can only love one. We had so many I love, but one that you can really, really love, like a, like a boy can love a dog. Well, That was this dog. But one time I came back and he didn't come out to greet me. He had gotten old. And you know what happens with the German Shepherd Labs, you know, they, they had trouble with walking. He gotten old, and I came into the yard, and I remember, like, lover boy, and I heard him whoa, 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 doing his thing. But he couldn't come out. He was in the haymow, just laying there. And I was like, I don't want to tell this story. <laughs> but it, you'll see why I did in a minute. I was like, where is he? And my brother Todd and I went running out and he was laying there, just laying there, you know, just wagging his tail and getting his head up and he's barking like, like he wanted to get up but he couldn't get up. And he was, he was dying. And, and I was like, oh, what happened? He, my brother's like, it's time for him to go. And I said, well, what are you going to do? He goes, well, I go, can, you, can we take him to the vet? He goes, we can't take this dog to the vet. First of all, Farmers rarely take animals to the vet. You can imagine well, all those animals, what it would cost them. But also, he said, that would be torture for a lover boy. He, he's only been to the vet once <laughs> and uh, never again. And, uh, you know, he would be he'd be terrified to carry him into this office and, you know, and take him in there and the vet. You know what it's like with animals. And he goes, no, no, we've we got to do this. I was like, what? He goes, Yeah. It, I was waiting for you to get home. So we put him in the truck, back of the truck. I got in the back of the truck with him. Drove him down the lane, my brothers driving. The whole time I'm just petting him. Just a dumb dog, right? Why did we get so attached? Petting him. Get down there and took him to his favorite place in the woods. He loved the woods. We are always down in the woods with him. Laid him down and he's, I'm just petting him. And the shot rings out. Right while I'm petting him, talking to him. And we buried him right there. right there in the woods. And every time I go home, I still take the kids down to see piled all these big rocks with fossils on them all over, <laughs> over, the, over the grave. That was hard. That was really, really, really hard. It's a lot easier just to just send them to the vet, right? That was really, really hard. But the sacrifice of a, an animal... That was a mercy kill. And think of a sacrifice of the animal, holding its head, cutting its throat as it struggles, as it bleeds out. That was brutal. Brutal. Just like the cross. The cross was gruesome. The Romans invented it to make death the worst possible torture imaginable. That's why they invented it. They wanted to figure out how could we kill someone and torture them the, to the worst way possible. They invented the cross. Why did God use that? Why did God use sacrifice? Cutting their throat, holding their head. Why did he use the cross for, for his own son? Why did he do that? Because he wanted to show us the full effect of sin. He wanted Every person that did that sacrifice to understand what sin really did, what it really cost, the effect of sin, what it's really doing to us, the result of it. He wanted us to see that clearly. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story of Abraham and Isaac, or the end of the story for Jesus, comes in Hebrews. In Hebrews 11, we see the end of the story. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 says, By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who received the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham, now get this, reason that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Abraham believed that God could and would raise his only son from the dead. Remember, he said, we'll be back. He he believed that. And that's exactly what God did with his one and only son. This is a picture of Jesus. It's what he did with his one and only son. Back to 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 3, but I'm going to read a little further this time. In verse, verse 15, it says... Chapter 15, verse 3, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, that He appeared to Peter then to the twelve, and after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Remember Jesus appearing on the road to Damascus to Saul who became the apostle Paul. That's what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Why we are here today. Why we're not sleeping in and eating candy. which is What most of the world is doing. That's why we're here today. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Abraham believed that God had power even over death. He was willing to sacrifice his only son. The son of promise. He believed that, that he could even resurrect from the dead. But the starting point is that Abraham had already put his faith in God. Genesis 15, 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. That is for us. Quoted again in Romans. That is for us. Abram believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. He had put his faith in God, and he had put his faith in God's provision of a lamb. Genesis 22, 8, he had put his faith in God's provision of a lamb. Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, He knew that God would provide the lamb. He knew that. He was prophetically, Abraham in this story was prophetically putting his faith in Jesus Christ. The lamb that God himself provided. He he was prophetically putting his faith in the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He was putting his faith in God's one and only son. The same way that we must put our faith in Jesus Christ. To have life. To have life here on earth, the real life here, and life forever with God someday. It's by putting our faith in Jesus. John three sixteen. I already read it. I'm going to say it again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Do you have that hope today? This Resurrection Sunday, this Easter, do you have that hope that that no fear, even of death, do you have that hope, not even of death, do you know that you have life in Jesus Christ? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof that we can all have life now and forever with God someday. Do you have that hope? Do you have that hope? John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The word there for believe is not just intellectual. It means belief of the heart. That's what the word means. The real word means. It means to completely put your trust and hope in Jesus and give your life to him. That's what it's talking about here. We were all like Isaac. We were all under a death sentence. Every one of us was under a death sentence. But Jesus took our place on that altar. He took our place on that cross. That's what he did for us. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Do you have that hope? No matter what you face in life, whether it's a, a, a trial, a temptation, persecution, whatever battle, whether it's even death itself that you're facing, do you have that hope? As, maybe you have, you've put your faith in Christ. As Christians, are we living by faith? Are we living in this hope by faith? You see, there's saving faith. There's that one moment when you put your faith in Jesus, you are saved. It's called, called saving faith, where you are saved. The Bible calls it being born again or born from above. Just as you are born physically at one time, we have to be born spiritually. Every one of us, it's not, oh, it's a fuzzy thing. No, It's. we know we've put our faith in Jesus. And there's a, Time, A definite time. We may not remember the exact time, but we know we put our faith in Jesus Christ and gave our life to Him. We became a brand new person in Christ at that time. Have you had that? Have you put your faith in Jesus? But that's saving faith. But once we have sa- saving faith, then there's living by faith. This doesn't save us, but it's important that we also learn to live by faith. Galatians 2.20 talks about this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by faith. We're saved by faith, but then we need to live by faith. That's that daily dependence. Daily dependence, completely depending on God and and trusting him for everything that we're going through and asking him to help us for everything we're going through. Easy to say, hard to do. Right? Easy to say, hard to do. It's not so easy to do when the rubber meets the road, right? It's not so easy to do when we face trials, when we face severe health struggles, when we even face death itself, when we go through persecution, when we're going through spiritual battles, when we're facing temptation. It's, it's, not, it's really hard when we're facing that. We're facing all that we face. What gives us, when we do that, what gives us the courage? To face it. What gives us the perseverance to face it? As Christians, it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What does it always come back to? It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We see God's power and God's purpose. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the proof that God can and will bring me through any trial. God will bring me through any temptation, any persecution, any spiritual battle, even death itself, God will bring me through it. What's our, how, it's all based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why, I, that's why I said never give up. Easter is why we can never give up, why we must never give up, why we should never give up, right? No matter what battle we are facing. It's been a tough year, hasn't it? I'm just thinking of our church, at New Hope Community Church. It's been a tough year. For our church family it seems like it's been a buzzsaw just walking into a buzzsaw this year isn't it think about all we have been through and i know many of you visitors have been through a lot you know you know family members have been through a lot it's been unbelievable even this morning several of our members are facing life and death situations we've been praying you guys all know we've been praying for a lot of people facing some severe trials Many others are experiencing unseen pain. Sometimes we can see people's pain. We can see our pain. But uh, listen, I know you. I know me, right? The worst pain is what's unseen. That marriage battle, that, that, that depression, that anxiety, There is that addiction, addictive sin, that whatever. It we all have so much pain. So many experiencing the unseen pain the grief, the attacks. What keeps us going? What keeps us persevering? There's only one thing that can do that, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And because he's resurrected, we have the presence of Christ and the power of Christ. That That's what keeps us going. And I'm just going to read one more passage to... to, to to put an exclamation on this in 1 Corinthians, back to 1 Corinthians again, verse, chapter 15 again, but I'm going to start with verse 14. I'm going to read a couple of verses here and there. Verse 14, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Verse 17, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Verse 19, If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all other men. If this is it, what are we doing here? Right? Verse 20. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Then I'm going to jump down here to 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash and the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. Verse 54, at the end it says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? We sang that song today. Awesome. Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us victory. Through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore, here we go, therefore, whenever you see therefore, it's therefore a reason, right? Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. It's connected to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ it's the power of Jesus Christ it's the presence of Jesus Christ I know a lot of us are going through trials you know I've been through mine but I tell people all the time and I know this because I've lived it there's only one thing worse than going through the trial that you are going through whatever it is whatever you are going through pain brutal whatever it is there's only one thing worse than going through that and guess what that is Going through it without Jesus Christ. Going through it without Jesus Christ. The presence of Christ. And that's what gives us hope for today, hope for tomorrow, hope for eternity. It's like the the song, I can only imagine. The movie's out. Several people have seen it and said it's awesome. Watch it. It's supposed to be awesome. But the song, I can only imagine what it's going to be like someday in, in, in front of Jesus. That's what keeps us going. And before we pray, I'm just going to say one great illustration of this is Elizabeth. Elizabeth, I went to visit her a couple weeks ago. And you know she's 90. She doesn't like when I say her age, but she's real sensitive about that. But it's 90-something, right? So she's close to 100. And she I went to see her at the hospital and she was in really bad shape. I mean, really bad shape. The mask on, the whole thing. And and I was talking to her and what, what she was most upset about wasn't all that she was going through. She was most upset is nobody was listening to her. Doctors, all the people nobody listening because she's like, Leave me alone. I'm ready to go to heaven. Don't give me that shot. Don't put that on me. Don't do this. Don't give me it. Don't don't do anything to me. If it's time, let me go. And so they thought she was crazy. And I, you know, they weren't listening to her. And I got there and I started talking to her. And I said, and I finally called in the medical people. I said, listen, she this she's not saying anything different than she's been saying the last couple of years. She's okay. She's competent. And she goes, see, and she pulled the mask off, see, I'm trying to tell you. Nobody would listen to her because, you know, she has trouble the the hearing and all that. So they thought she was confused. She's not confused. She knows what she's saying. She's like, let me go. Everybody's here fighting it. They think I'm losing it. Let me go. And totally competent what she's been saying for years. Uh, But she said, she goes, the reason they're all afraid to let me go is because they're not Christians. They're afraid of dying. Talking about a lot of people in her life that were afraid of death and afraid of letting her die. She goes, they don't get it. I'm okay. I know where I'm going. And, and finally, I got the nurse in, and we we're talking in front of the nurse. And, you know, and I said, and she finally, she's like, wow, she really does know what she's talking about. I go, I know. She just can't hear you all the time. But she totally communicated it. And she goes, she said to the nurse, I know where I'm going. Let me go. <laughs> so the nurse goes out. Comes back in a little later says, I just talked to all the people close to you, and I talked to the doctor, and you're right, you you do can make this decision to just go, you know, we don't have to keep torturing you. Uh, we're we're going if it's God's time, you know, we'll let you go. I understand what you're saying. She goes, yes, let me go, let me go. So I said, Elizabeth, it's okay. They pull the mask off her, and they say, we're not going to do X, Y, and Z. You're not going to do all these tests and these invasive things. We're just gonna we'll, we'll, we'll let Nature, take its course. We all know who's behind that. And she got, she transformed. She was on the bed, looked horrible. She transformed. She's smiling. She's happy. She's feeling good. She's like, oh, I'm so excited. And we're praying. And she's goes, oh, this is great. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to see Jesus. I'm so excited. And, and as she's talking and we're talking, she had this new energy. She was energized. And I prayed with her and said, have fun in heaven, I'll see you someday. But I had my doubts. I got home, I said, Kim, uh, I think she's going to be okay now. She was so excited about dying and going to be with Jesus that it like charged her up. And sure enough, that's exactly what happened. She was so excited about heaven, she's stuck on earth now. (laughs) She's doing better and better this week. It's like she's so upset. I said, It's okay, Elizabeth. It's okay. God knows. I know a lot of you have visited her and seen the same thing. But that's what the hope of Easter, Jesus Christ's resurrection, does for us, even facing death. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, do you have that hope? As each of us is praying to God between us and God, do you have that hope? You can have it right now, right where you are, by putting your faith, In Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus right now. There's no ritual. There's no religious rites. There's no religious people needed. It's between you and Jesus. It's a prayer from your heart to God's heart. Right now. A simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I know you died for my sin. I believe you died for my sin on that cross. Everything I've ever done wrong, everything that I'm ashamed of, everything that I'm afraid of because of what I did, I know you died for that. I don't want sin, I don't want that old life anymore, I repent, I walk away from it. I put my faith in Jesus. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened to you. You have just been born spiritually. Something radical has happened in your life. God's own spirit is now living inside of you. And the, Jesus will be with you every second of every day. You now have his power to face anything in this life. You now have his presence. You can talk to him anytime. You've become a brand new person. You now have a brand new life starting this very second and it's going to go into all of eternity. If you have given your life to Jesus, put your faith in him, I want to encourage you to let somebody know. You could tell me. You could send me a text or an email. You can call. You can tell a family member or a friend that you're here with. Anybody. Anybody. Tell somebody so that we can be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who are Christians already, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What battle are we facing? Would this... Resurrection Sunday be a new day for us to persevere, to depend on the power of Jesus, to seek His presence every day, every hour, every minute, every second, seeking the presence, living in the presence. Of Jesus Christ. His mercy and grace. Father, I pray that every one of us. Would leave with renewed hope today. Because of your love. That sent your son for us. And because of the power. Of the resurrection of Jesus. I pray you would fill us with hope. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.